I've got a quick question for you before we get started today. Were there any outstanding presentations at the last Master Brewers District meeting you attended? I bet there were. Well, we'd like to share those stories with listeners, but we need your help. Unless they attended that same district meeting, Master Brewers members, including me, will never know about these outstanding presentations unless they get uploaded to the Master Brewers District Presentations Archive. So next time you sit in on a really great presentation, ask your district officers if you can help them get the presentations uploaded. It's super easy. There's even a short how-to video link at the top of the archive. And if there's a presentation that you think we should highlight here on the show, shoot me a quick message. You can find me at community.mbaa.com. This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Let's go! 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 Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. So at our total investment of a little less than $800 and saving $190 to $195 per propagation, we figured in, in about four propagations, we'd have paid back the whole system. This week on the show, Doug Hyman from Elliott Bay Brewing Company in Seattle joins us to talk about his $700 hillbilly yeast propagator. Doug, you wanted to solve a specific problem set that I bet a lot of other small brewers have. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, we're a brew pub group that's been pretty much focused on using one or two house strains for years and years and years, and that's served us well and we've been able to make lots of fine lagers and ales with those strains but it's another way to kind of explore new flavors and uh, aromas and to kind of give our brewers another ingredient to work with we wanted to be able to tap into some other universe of of what uh, yeast can provide and so we started looking at you know how can we get more yeast strains in-house without breaking the bank so, you know, expanding those flavor offerings was one primary goal. You know, another one was whenever we brewed specific styles of beer, we'd, you know, kind of used our house yeast and approximated uh, outcomes that were they were pretty good. And, you know, we played around with the yeast fermentation temperatures and whatnot, but you know, there were strains out there that we 
borrowed from another uh, brewery before and tried and really liked, but just you know, we just kind of did it as a one-off. And it's like, hey, we want to brew that Belgian triple. Let's get a yeast that's appropriate to that style or uh, an ESB. So that was, I guess, the second goal was you know appropriate yeast strains for particular styles. I guess the third, probably more logistical goal was to kind of minimize the timeline from start to finish of a, a propagation so we could execute it in just a couple of days rather than over a couple of weeks. All right, that all makes sense. So where did you start? Uh, well, doing some research to begin with. So there was a lot of MBA articles, ASBC articles, bought a few books. Wanted to figure out you know, what I didn't know about the process because um, having bought propagations you know we knew okay we we needed three or four liters to get started but you know really how many cells was that we got that information partly from the vendors and partly from you know taking samples in-house and doing cell counts and kind of verifying that what was being advertised was what was actually being delivered so based on your research what were some of the things you knew you were going to need to accomplish in your small-scale propagation system? To get this process down to, to 48 or 72 hours, uh, it seemed from the literature that was reading, I was reading that you know, kind of continuous aeration was, was key. So that was one of the things we had to figure out a system for. You know, there was a fair range of you know, what researchers and had recommended in terms of wort makeup. It's pretty convenient for us to pull wort from the brew house stream, um, and then we can dilute it down to, say, between 10 and 12 Plato. That seemed to be the sweet spot in the literature for target uh, growth media and uh, temperature control. There was quite a, quite a range of recommendations in the in the research I came across, but kind of settled on uh, 77F as a, as a target. And that seemed in some research to work for both loggers and uh, ales in terms of, in, at least in the propagation stage. And then agitation. Some of this research was coming out of the baking industry and being applied to the brewing industry that kind of aeration and agitation just to facilitate that gas transfer seemed to be key. Beyond that, uh, you know, aseptic te- technique was definitely emphasized everywhere I read. How much yeast were you pitching direct without propagation? I think you said it was roughly three or four liters, but what did that work out to in terms of how many cells you were pitching? Uh, it was around, I think, like three and a half to almost four trillion cells. How did you figure out what size propagation would be ideal? In a normal ferment, you may get three, four, maybe five-fold increase uh, in the propagation. That factor should be much higher, anywhere from 10 to 20, uh, depending on your on your system and you know, how effective and efficient that air delivery and air exchange and uh, agitation system is. You know, the highest I saw was like 20-fold. And... You know, that seemed pretty high, and there, you know, that was kind of an outlier, so I didn't really feel like that was something I wanted to go after. Yeah, so what did you um, shoot for? 
Uh, we, we've, I was anticipating eight to 10. Okay. And so I kind of worked from, worked off of the, uh, the cell contents of packaged yeast that was being delivered by different vendors and figuring out, you know, how much, how much did I need? If I was buying yeast from Y yeast, how many packs of their yeast did I need to buy versus how many packs of White Labs yeast did I need to buy? Because they're not, you know, one package of Y yeast does not equal one package of, of White Labs. Right. Uh, in terms of in terms of what the density of the cells that they're delivering, so that that makes a big difference is what you're starting with. And um, so you so kind of you, you kind of backed into you that you you kind of said, okay, well, I'm going to take that, you know almost 4 trillion cells that I know I need and start with basically about an eighth of that. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Cool. And then, and then in, you know, doing some benchtop trials and just, you know, we ran a couple of, um, we ran the propagator a few times. We weren't ever expecting to use the, the ending product just to see what it did. And it, it got anywhere from, eight to 14. So we were really happy with, with that as a, as a kind of test run before we, before we launched into, you know, grinding in and getting a, a brew ready that we knew we you know needed that yeast in two days. That, that kind of gave us, I guess, the confidence to, to move forward with it, that, that those test uh, propagations in, in uh, 18 and 36 liters was was yielding in in 48 hours, you know, something that was at, at least what we were getting delivered from our vendor and sometimes more. Coming up. We figured in, in about four propagations, we'd have paid back the whole system. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, triclamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by Bring the world to your brew house with BSG's diverse selection of ingredients and services. Our dedicated customer service team and industry experience provides you with the assistance you need every step of the way. Make BSG your supplier of choice with products essential to making great artisanal beverages so you can stay focused on your craft. Visit us at bsgcraftbrewing.com or contact us at 1-800-374-2739. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District Eastern Canada meets in Montreal November 28th, and the District St. Louis annual holiday party is December 6th. District Western New York meets at Resurgence Brewing Company in Buffalo December 10th. District St. Louis meets January 16th. District New England meets in Merrimack January 24th and 5th. 
the Ontario Technical Conference is January 29th to the 31st in Kingston. District St. Louis meets February 20th. District Northern California holds its Technical Conference February 27th and 28th in Sonoma County. One of our newest districts, District Great Plains, meets February 28th and 29th in Kansas City. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. back to the show. I'm sure there are some commercial propagators out there in that size range. Did you consider any of those? Yeah, so when we went out looking for, you know, what what kind of systems would be in our budget to deliver the volume that we needed uh, with that had the um, features that we knew we needed in terms of heat, agitation, and aeration. You know, we came across a few. One of them was for the volume we needed. Uh, the smallest, the closest we could get was about 50 liter system, and that was over twenty thousand um, dollars. There's a more it's manual version or manual option there uh, that is basically a, a keg with a stir arm, manual stir arm, but there's no heating involved. The, the, the agitation is, is requires someone to be there turning it. Uh, and and you, you didn't want to do that all day? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dedicated brewer, but not that dedicated. Um, and, and it didn't have a way to, to add uh, oxygen uh, in the, the frequency and the volume and the, the it was being recommended in the in a lot of the research. So we turned to our old friend the uh, glass carboy uh, with a, a kind of exterior heating blanket sort of thing that, that wraps around it and it has a th- plugs into a thermostat that's able to maintain the, the set temperature and then. We bought um, aeration stones that fit through the mouth of the carboy through a rubber stopper that we could introduce sterile air through that to continue, keep that aeration uh, ongoing. And also we found stir plates that would spin 18 liters of slurry pretty easily and reliably and so with those those three, you know, wanting to hit those three parameters of aeration, agitation, and maintaining proper temperature, that seemed to that fit the bill, uh, and we did the whole thing for under a thousand dollars. That's pretty good. Most of the times I've set out to build something for the brewery rather than just buying the right tool for the job, I've regretted it. So it sounds like your story had a, had a better ending. Um, so you're under you're under a thousand dollars for the total damage thus far. You said uh, was there any mm-hmm. other equipment on that list? And we'll we'll put, we'll put a full list of your um, equipment via your slides in the show notes. So okay. anybody who wants to copy your design has uh, has access to that. But um, did we miss any other components of your of your system there? Uh, there are 
couple of pieces, tools that, that we had to you know, just kind of look at what we had available to us and kind of make it work sort of thing in addition to what we could buy off the shelf. One of those, I mean, we took a carboy rubber cap or plastic cap and took a stem out of a Cornelius keg and turned that in, made that into a sort of a racking cane that we could clean and sanitize. So the cap has two inlets and one of them we could push sterile air in to put low pressure on the carboy to get the slurry out of the propagator. And the other pieces were kind of you know, small parts that we had around to make connections between CO2 quick connects and the plastic quick connects for that air introduction system. Um, we also had an old broken down screwdriver that I just couldn't throw away. And uh, I didn't know why we, we just had, it used, we used to use it for taking bungs out of uh, bung sided kegs. And it finally gave up the ghost and part of the, the straight end of the screwdriver broke off, but I wasn't going to throw it away because I knew someday, somewhere I'd <laughs> find a use for it. And um, we ended up gluing a magnet onto the end of the screwdriver blade. Cause when you put the stir bar into the carboy, it doesn't necessarily land right in the center um, where you need it to, to spin on the, on the stir plate. So some one person lifted up the carboy and then I could kind of guide the stir bar into the center of the carboy and then we could put it down on the stir plate and it worked. So now we're, we're both of these two vessels basically um, in the same status at all times, like both of them doing the same thing or were there, you know, was the setup on them identical or were you, you weren't, you weren't recirculating the liquid between the two at all. They were just uh, both static, identical, if you, uh, so to speak. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So that was just because these stir plates could really only spin five or so gallons uh and so that was you know we were basically running them side by side to get our 36 liters okay makes sense and i i'm i'm wondering too um how important that headspace was because um years ago i used to propagate fresh yeast in kegs but it was always uh it was always a little tricky having um um making sure you had enough headspace because don't, mm-hmm. don't you get a decent amount of um uh, you know, a little bit of foaming from the aeration. You you definitely do, and you know, and the the yeast is consuming the sugar, giving off uh, CO two. So there's it's generating foam from that process. So yeah, I mean, this 18 liters in a in probably in six gallons. So that's roughly 24 liters. So it was you know 25 percent of the vessel was was uh, headspace and we still get a little bit blowing out the top but not very much all right how about giving us a play-by-play for the first time you ran a propagation that pitched 10 barrels what happened our, our initial project with this was a for an anniversary beer we were brewing we were going to employ two different yeast strains and so we did uh, 18 liters our target volume was 18 liters of a Belgian Saison and 18 liters of a French Saison. So we just did 
each of those was going to be 18 liters to get us our total 36 liters. 37.24, which is Belgian Saison, had a um, yield a factor of t- uh, 10.9, uh, which is higher than the eight we were anticipating. And the 37.11, which is a French Saison, uh, had a yield of 12.3. So both of those significantly higher than than what we'd anticipated. So we we were very happy with the with the results of that first run through so pretty nice yeah yeah and we've since done this another three or four times and um so far so good tell us about the the roi on this project yeah so by our you know, history of buying those three liter props we were that cost us about 250 dollars per prop um whenever we purchased six of the yeast packs that cost uh, about about 55 to 60 dollars so you know roughly 190 295 dollars savings per prop so at our total investment of a little less than 800 dollars and saving 190 to 195 dollars per propagation we figured in in about four propagations we'd have paid back the whole system when I used to propagate yeast in kegs, it was always difficult having the right wort stream available when I needed mm-hmm. it. How did you deal with that? Uh, well, the times that we've done this, which is you know only a handful, we've always kind of timed it to have the yeast or the wort stream that we needed at the time. But um, when we were doing some of the trials, we also tested out pulling work from the um, from the brew house and then putting it in, in either media bottles or mason jars and sterilizing it um, and that's that's worked fine as well let's hear about some of the QC is your propagated yeast as pure and healthy as the direct pitches from the lab because this is a 48 to 72 hour process once we crank the propagator up there's really isn't time to plate things and wait for results before the the yeast is headed for its first uh live brewery fermentation so we haven't had that that luxury but we have plated from the fermenter after the fermentation was done and we haven't seen any any issues in the handful of times we've t- taken it from our propagator into the brewery maybe if there's uh after we're saving all this money maybe i can talk the owners into buying a, a pcr uh thermocycler and we can get results in a couple hours that would maybe let me sleep a little better That was Doug Heinemann here on the Master Brewers Podcast. If you want to build a propagation system like Doug's, check the show notes for a link to his presentation, which has plenty of photos, a parts list, calculations, and all the help you'll need. Don't forget to ask your district officers if you can help them get those district presentations uploaded to the archive. And drop me a line if you think there's a presenter we should have on the show. All the links you need are in the show notes. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? 
Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Mold, and BSG. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. Okay.